right, well, not too much more. Uh, you guys, as I said, are doing a great job. There's a lot going on this weekend. Some of you have been traveling a lot back and forth. I know we made a trip across the state and back earlier this week. Uh, but kids, you're doing a great job sitting there. You're, you're doing a good job not wiggling, not being too chatty. You're doing a, a fantastic job. Hopefully you got a little bingo sheet that's back at the, on that back table, some sermon bingo. If you get a bingo, I've got a prize up here for you. got a little, little uh, sugary snack for you after the service if you guys get a bingo. Um, or even if you get close, I made it tougher this time. The last couple times we've do it, I've gotten getting sheets back. Everybody's all the boxes filled. I was like, I got to make this a little bit difficult. So there's some words in there that maybe you don't even understand. Uh, ask your parents. I would love it if they didn't understand them either, because that would be really fun for me. But some of you kids, over the course of a week like this, you get to that age where you start to discover that maybe some of your cousins and relatives are a little weird, a little annoying. Some of you adults are getting to the point where you're starting to discover that your parents are a little annoying, a little bit weird, right? Starting to see some of those weird things. Throw in a lot of food this week, a lot of football this week, a lot of family this week. And now throw in baptism. Now throw in communion and all those kind of things. It just makes for a little bit of a crazy week. I know it's crazy for these guys up here uh, to have uh, their kids running around and trying to figure all that out and all their traveling. So I I appreciate the time so many people put into different things. Uh, But when it comes to baptism and communion, I want to talk about those real quick this morning. Um, Partly as a refresher for those of us who are a part of the church family and understand what those things are, but partly for the younger kids as they're seeing and experiencing some of these for the first time, partly for some of us older people who are maybe learning these things and still figuring out what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. But we saw a little bit on the videos, and I want to hit them again real quick. But first, a couple of verses to lead in. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. This is Jesus talking, and he says, You, my followers, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's an awesome couple of verses right in the middle of something we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, just a great passage of Scripture. But you saw in those videos, baptism, right? Just to recap, so baptism, it's taking something that's very personal and special inside of you, right? You've, you've made the decision to follow Jesus in your heart. You've given him your whole life. You've asked for forgiveness. It's a very personal, heartfelt decision that you've already made, and now baptism is going public with that. Now, this, it's, it's public here. It's scary for those two young guys to get up there in front of people. and, and tell, but, but by and large, they're in a room full of people who would call themselves Christians, right? Maybe not all of us, but many of us. And this Baptism would often happen over the years in a river, right, in, on the outskirts of town, or maybe in a fountain, right in the town square. And you have this moment. I was meeting with a missionary just a few weeks ago who, when he got baptized, it was right in the middle of town, and everyone was there, and he knew they were all going to be ticked, right? And so baptism is very different, and, and yet in, the, in, all the, in all the ways, it's going public with a decision that you've made to follow Jesus. There's no more hiding. And then we talk about communion, and communion is following in the tradition of the Last Supper between Jesus and his followers. On that last night, Jesus knew he was going to get arrested. Jesus knew he was going to be crucified, and so he pulls them together, and he says, this is what I want you to do, and this is a chance for you to remember what I'm going to do for you. 
And so we remember and we reflect on our lives and it's a chance to celebrate that victory over sin and death. And I want to look at those two things from a little bit of, of a different angle, an angle that includes the verses that we read from the Sermon on the Mount, but also an angle that includes a very important Thanksgiving tradition, sports. Right? We all love sports. Everybody have a good day yesterday? Right? I see some Michigan logos. Everybody's feeling good. The state fans are like, enough already. Right? This, this is enough. Uh, it, it's fine. We, we got to do what we got to do. But growing up as a kid, especially a kid in a sports family, and many of you have experienced this, at some point, you latch onto a team. And that becomes your team. And there's different reasons for that, right? Your parents have a team, and you kind of gravitate towards that. You grow up going to the games and tailgating and, and having the watch parties and things. You've got friends who have teams. Uh, if you're like me, maybe you find out what your older brother likes and do the exact opposite. And so some of you are there. Some of you, uh, and my kids are like this, you latch on to the latest superstar, right? Who, who's the greatest? Who's fun to watch? Whatever team he's on, I'm going to watch. Whatever team she plays for, that's going to be my favorite team. And, or a dynasty, things like that. Whatever happens, however it plays out for you, you find yourself leaning towards that team, and then you find yourself rooting, and then you find yourself cheering, and then you find your weekends being elevated or ruined based on the events of, of, of your team's day, right? Either way, you are in. That's your team. You are a fan, but then you have a very important moment that comes after choosing your team, after deciding who you're going to root for, and that moment comes when you get your first jersey, right? For me, it was Steve Eiserman. Thank goodness he's a Hall of Famer. This is a great thing about buying old jerseys. They're not going to get traded, right? It's too late. Once a Red Wing, always a Red Wing, and you have that moment. You get your first jersey, or maybe it's your first hat, or maybe it's your first shirt, or maybe the first big poster that you put on your bedroom wall, or maybe it's a sticker that goes on your folder or your binder, or goes inside your locker. And here's why it's a big moment, because now you've already been a fan. You're already cheering for that team. You had already decided you were already in, but now it's public. Now you can't hide it anymore. Now everyone knows. You have declared your allegiance. You are in. You're in with that team. You're in with all the people who are in with that team. And you, you have no shame, right? You don't care who knows it. Now you want other people to know that you're in with that team. And you want them to be in on that team with you. That's a major moment. That is baptism. At some point, you chose to follow Jesus. At some point, you heard the truth and you understood whether you were four, five, six years old or 70 years old, anywhere in between. At some point, you heard the truth and you believed that Jesus is who he said he is and that he did what he said he did for us, right? And all of a sudden, you see that Jesus modeled something for us called baptism by being baptized by John the Baptist. And then you understand that Jesus commanded us himself and through his disciples. He said, believe and be baptized, and so you go, okay, death, burial, resurrection, yes, I'm in. Obedient to his word, yes, I'm in. Let my light shine, yes, I'm in. And so you get baptized and you declare your allegiance publicly that you are all in with Jesus and his word. But there's another important part that comes with it, right? Because it's not just being baptized. There's another tradition that we've been talking about today. It includes memories. It includes stories that we tell. It includes encouragement to continue growing and continue learning, to continue in our commitment in those allegiances. And it includes moments, moments to go back to, moments like this video. Check it out. Tim Williams in the punt. 
averaging just under 38 on 44 kicks this year. Nice high kick, got a little wind under it. And it runs Howard back. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. picked that video earlier this week, I was like, this is either going to cheer him up or it's just going to put him over the top and it's going to get ridiculous. So uh, that is, for those of you who, who are too young to remember Desmond Howard's return back in 91, that is a marked moment for many sports fans in Michigan. That's Kurt Gibson in 84. That's Maglio's home run in 06. That's Steph Curry from the logo, right? Those marked moments. For those of you who aren't into sports, it's Whitney Houston's national anthem back in 91. You're like, I want to sing like that. Or maybe it was when you came across the YouTube video of the two cellos playing Thunderstruck, and you're like, I want to play an instrument like that. Or maybe you were at a youth conference when you were younger, and you're singing this emotional worship song, and this artist is up on stage, and he's making this painting, and it seems like he's just throwing paint at the canvas. You don't know what it is. And at the end of the song, he flips it upside down, and it's an amazing picture of Jesus, and it's all lit up. And you're like, I want to make art like that, right? It's, it's the place where it all started for you. That marked moment. And what do we do with those marked moments, right? We, they don't just exist. They carry on. What do we do? We show up at Michigan Stadium and sneak through the gates. I'm not saying I ever did that, but I've heard of people who maybe did. And you walk down the tunnel out onto the field, and what do you do when you get there? You go back, pretend you caught the punt, make a couple jukes, up the sideline, into the end zone for the Heisman post. That's what we do, right? We remember those things. We celebrate those things. We share those memories. We share those emotions. We reflect on the past, and we evaluate the present. That's communion. It's a moment to remember the things that we're really about, to go back to the things that make us who we are as Christians, to remember what Jesus did for us, to remember what he offers us in his death and resurrection, to reflect on everything that he's done with us and say, what a Savior, what a a moment to go back to where it all started and in light of those memories to say, who have I been? Who am I now? Who have I been called to be? That's communion. And when we think about baptism and communion, we typically see those as things that happen here, right? Our, our baptisms happen here. And, then, and sometimes in the summer, we'll do it over at somebody's house, someone from our church family, and do it in, in their pool. And, and the communion happens here, and yet the purpose of those things goes beyond here. The potential impact of those things goes beyond here. And so we go back to our verses in Matthew chapter 5. And remember, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town that's up on a hill can't be hidden. If you've ever been driving late at night in a dark part of the, the state or a dark part of the Midwest, and all of a sudden you're approaching a town, the whole horizon is lit up, right? A city that's lit up on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it on a bowl. You don't cover it up. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Philippians chapter 2 describes it as being like stars in the heavens. And these are things for us, yes, for us as a church family, as a church community, as the body of Christ both locally and around the world. But, but it's even bigger than just us because as others have described these things, it's been said before that if, if preaching makes the truth audible, things like baptism and communion make the truth visible gives people a chance to see the truth happening in our lives, see the truth taking root and flourishing and bearing fruit in the lives of a fourth grader or a sixth grader or a full-grown adult, right? It's a chance to, to reflect the light that's happening starting on the inside of us. And so the challenge simply becomes, let your light shine. Baptism and communion are important ways, but they're not the only ways, Right? And the question becomes, do you wear your faith jersey when you leave church? When you answer questions about your weekend, does your answer include a mention of your Sunday morning experience? Parents, when you're asked a values question at work, does your answer include something about your faith or your walk with Jesus? Right? It's like, our guy Max, who did exactly that at school. Awesome, right? When, when you're confronted with a choice between doing things the way everyone else is doing it at work or doing something with integrity, with a reason, with a biblical reason for why, what choice are you making? Kids, many of your parents are making that exact choice, and you should be proud of them just like they're proud of you. Let your light shine. Why? That last verse tells us exactly why. So that people can see and it eventually experience what we've already experienced. Through your witness and testimony that people may come to know Jesus themselves and have their lives on earth transformed and have their eternity secure forever. We let our light shine here and out there. Through communion and baptism and through the way that we work, the way that we study the way that we practice, the way that we talk, the way that we forgive, the way that we apologize, the way that we love and interact with the world around us so that they can see Jesus in us. Let your light shine. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for these young ones today who have gone public with their faith in a very real way. Thank you for their obedience, God. And we pray that you would continue to grow in them, fill them with your spirit, God. Help them to discover who they are in Christ and to lean into those gifts and to change their homes, change their schools, and change the world because of your work in their lives. God, may we take a hint from them. God, we, we as adults have areas of our lives where we need to be more committed and, and more obedient. And I, God, I pray that in seeing their example, we would be challenged to let our light shine in a more tangible, real, faith-filled way. Move in us, move in this little church, and we'll give you all the glory for the things that you do. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.